Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching and welcome to a unit makeover, friends. We love a good makeover, especially when we're talking about curriculum. Now, don't we, Amanda? Oh, don't say it and look at me like that that way. Listeners, you couldn't see those <laughs> the smug eyes Marie was giving me. The smug grin I was giving her. Oh, yeah, no, man. I just, um, I don't know why I did that. I just felt like it. Friends, today we are going to talk about one of the most commonly taught American novels, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald himself. We talk a lot about reading and teaching reading and teaching literature on this podcast. And we talk a lot about choice and we talk a lot about classics and we talk a lot about modern. And there are so many different avenues evolving in this era of education, which is really exciting, but also really confusing. And so we wanted to shine a light on a very widely taught novel because I think that sometimes when you're given Gatsby or you're in it for the first time or you've been in it for a long time, you can kind of be stuck in finding the same things over and over and over and over again. Sure. And we're ready to shake that up with you. For a novel that is so rife with symbolism and just like layers to peel back, because it has been done so many times in our classrooms, like... I read The Great Gatsby when I was in 11th grade. I'm sure you read The Great Gatsby when you were in 11th grade. pretended to. You pretended to read it. Well, I probably pretended to read it too. And when I first started teaching, the first time I taught juniors, because it is a junior level text in my area as well, 
I was not that excited about it because I found the text really dry and like I just needed a little oomph. Um, and we are very aware that many of you don't get to choose the text that you teach or you get to choose some and not others. And some things are mandated and or like, quote unquote, agreed upon, right? Like by by the whole group and you don't want to rock the boat for whatever reason. And so we also both really love teaching a unit that uses this novel as a vehicle for learning. Like we also really have come to a place in our own teaching where the great Gatsby, we found ways to make it accessible and applicable and engaging for virtually all the kiddos in our classroom. And so we were excited to talk today about just what the process of a unit makeover would be like for this unit, what we have done in the past, and just throwing some ideas at you. I'm ready. I I feel like Gatsby is something that is, uh, I don't know, I talk about it a lot. So I'm ready to go and I don't really need a, any more dipping around the intro. Well, the one thing I do want to talk about is unit makeover in and of itself is a process that we've created ah, for you all yes. as a challenge, a free email series, however you want to look at it. It's basically like a really, really teeny tiny baby bite-sized part of our larger curriculum course, curriculum rehab. Unit makeover is completely free. Go to the show notes right this second and sign up for it. And it will lead you through the process that we're about to go through. And it'll give you prompts and it'll go directly to your email inbox every day. And you can kind of like take this at your leisure, if you will. But for now, we're ready, I think, to jump into this unit makeover. So let's go ahead and cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, friends, let's dive into this unit makeover. Before actually we start getting into specifically Gatsby, I just want to do a quick rundown. We have got other unit makeovers in our Rolodex of podcast episodes. So if you want to check some of those out, we'll make sure that they're linked in the show notes. But there are basically four essential parts to a unit makeover. The first is vision and creating a vision board. We were on uh, Jen Gonzalez's podcast, Cult of Pedagogy. Yeah, we were. When was that? Like a year ago? Almost, yeah. Okay. And we talked about just the power and the use of a vision board in general when it comes to curriculum planning. And we believe in it so full-fledged that that's the first thing that we do when we're looking at a unit makeover or just creating a unit in the first place. The second thing we look at are essential questions and making sure that inquiry is at the root of everything that we do. The third thing that we look at, well, it's kind of interchangeable. Three and four are a bit interchangeable. We will look at assessments and supplemental texts. Because essentially, when we get into the vision board, which you'll hear in in a moment, we've got our anchor text, or if it's a choice unit texts already in mind when we're creating a vision. So then the supplements and the assessments are really going to like bring it all home. So today we're going to go vision board, essential question, assessments, and then we're going to have a bonus episode coming to you because we can already tell that we're going to get a little long-winded. We're going to have a bonus episode that's going to talk about the supplements, and it's going to be a little preview of our upcoming happy hour special 
episodes that are going to start early next year, but we've got some previews coming. So you'll see a bonus episode coming out very, very soon that will finish out the supplements on this unit makeover. I told you we were going to be verbose. Like I already have just been talking this whole time and Amanda keeps trying to jump in and she's just staring at me, shaking her head in mild disbelief. Uh, none of those things. You just were on the train and went there. I was going to say all the things that you were going to say. I was just going to give you a breath. So we're, no, we're good. We're, we're going to jump into the first three pieces and then we're going to give you a taste of what happy hour is like, because happy hour is that extra 15 minutes per week with us that hour for the month where we get to go even further in depth with our episodes, with Q and a and all kinds of other extra BNT stuff. So for those of you who can't get enough, we're giving you more. So we're going to give everybody a taste of that a couple of times here in 2022 before we jump into that new model coming in 2023. You're still going to get the same stuff from us as we've already said when we've been talking about happy hour. Like today, you're going to get the essentials. We're going to talk about our vision board. We're going to look at our essential question and we're going to look at assessments. Those are like, if you don't have those three things, you don't have a unit. And then we'll jump into the bonus with the supplements and that sort of thing. That'll be a little tack on at the end. So let's start talking about our vision board for a unit that uses the Great Gatsby. And notice I'm saying not a Great Gatsby unit. I'm saying a unit that uses the Great Gatsby. Explain, please, dear friend Amanda, what I mean by this. You just said it. You just used the phrase vehicle for learning. So that's something that we if we really we really do need to work on our merchandise collection because I feel like that's a shirt. It's a thing we say all the time. It's is true. The text is a vehicle for learning. We're decentering the text. Gatsby is the inspiration for a lot of the thematic content and some of the angles that we're going to take in terms of the content, but it's not the whole thing. It's a unit inspired by the great Gatsby. So that's why we start with vision boarding. A lot of the teachers that I coach, and even when I was in the classroom, a lot of times I'd sit down at a PLC meeting and everyone wanted to start with the book with chapter one, or they wanted to even start with the essential question. And truthfully, I ask people to step back even further. And we talk about this here. The vision board gives us a chance to see everything with no judgment, open up a Google slide, bust out a big piece of paper, get out your trifold and your, your (laughs) ransom note, scissors and glue from your teen bot magazine. And we're going to envision all the things that are possible in a unit that has the Great Gatsby as one of the major core texts. And ransom note scissors and glue. Like I feel so seen. I mean, I know you you have them. I appreciate you going. (laughs) Well, and and, uh, again, like Marie and I keep trying to do these unit makeovers on books that are not only widely taught, but have so many possibilities or Mm -hmm. the text itself has too much for what an 11th grader actually cares about. So the vision (laughs) board is our place where we can dump. Like I really want to talk for three days about the scene where Gatsby is lying in the pool and there's all this imagery about fall and the seasons are changing and life is changing. And, you know, is Nick a reliable narrator and unreliable? Like we can get all that out of our system. Yeah. See it all on the page. Yeah. This is one of those places like Amanda's hitting it right on the head, getting it out of your system. Like you're hearing from two extremely excitable English teachers who want to do all that stuff. But like all that stuff is often red herrings for our students, you know? Yeah. And I've found 
that if I get it all down on paper, and when we move into the EQ section, I'm able to better thread all of those desirable things together. And they make sense because I've selected them purposefully. So with your vision board, like I said, get something blank out. I prefer to do a digital vision board because I can keep notes there. I can add to it as the unit goes on. I can bust it out in the middle of the summer when I have a great idea and add to it. Um, And I I have like a running list of things I want to teach or supplements I found when I was, you know, walking the dog and I listen to this podcast. I don't even have a dog. That was a terrible example. No, but it works. I I feel you. (laughs) But I like, that's personally like why I like the digital version because I can plop things on it all year long. When I have that random moment, people ask us all the time, how do you come up with your supplement ideas? And usually they're not in the moment of the unit. They're at random other times during the year. I just have a good place to put them. So that's where your vision board should start. And everyone's is going to be different. And if you can do it as a department or as a PLC, even better. And don't edit yourselves is the major point here. Totally. When I have taught a unit using Gatsby, I have either gone full-fledged, let's go 1920s, flapper, everything. Or I've actually, lately, my vision board starts much more... Like sometimes I'll start a vision board with like colors in mind, if you guys remember our... our unit makeover for the fairy tale short story unit that we did a while ago, or it'll start with kind of just an overall tone. Like we talked about with the just mercy unit makeover. This one is like shapes. Like I think of stars and stripes and clouds and like things that are very easy to connect with that are deceptively simple because I feel like the great Gatsby is deceptively simple. And the overall tone I'm looking for is the idea of dreams and looking into dreams for like deeper meanings. So deceptively simple things are kind of like the idea of where I start with this sort of a vision board. We'll link our vision boards. I definitely have mine. And I don't have all of the versions of mine, but that's again, for me too, when I think about Gatsby, there's the American dream route that we've right. gone before. Marie and I have talked about, you know, the, the classical question that I talk about the most is um, the one, is the American dream more likely to inspire and destroy or destroy? And it works really well. If you're teaching an American lit course, it fits nicely in that category, but Gatsby is so versatile. I've also coached and helped other teachers teach it with slightly different lenses. I've, I've worked with a, a number of teachers outside of the U.S. who teach Gatsby. And we don't talk about the American dream there. Um, yeah. we've, we've looked at greed and wealth. You know, Is wealth more likely to create a, a better place for people to live or a, one that's a lot uglier? I'll link a better worded version of that question for you uh, in the show notes. But you can look at gender. You can look at... Uh, I love using Gatsby to talk about setting and the way that like the physical geography and how location mirrors social class, mirrors American culture, mirrors the color and the symbolism and all the work that Fitzgerald is doing. That's another completely different angle that's so rich. Yeah. But it only comes from like this vision boarding process and a kind of messy conversation about it. Another great Gatsby inspired angle is relationships and social interactions and how they develop, maintain, or deteriorate relationships. 
That's another angle that you can kind of look at. And basically, when you're thinking thematically, like we've been talking about, Amanda has already started to dip into step two, which is looking at an essential question. But like as you're getting into a vision board, it is essentially (laughs) an exercise in developing your essential question. The vision board brings in the topics, the themes, the feeling, the what do I want students to experience, to understand, to feel, to do. And then that becomes a springboard for your essential question. And I always put my essential question or the drafts of my essential question on my vision board as well, because then it's like Amanda said, it's like the equivalent of a Pinterest board, but for a single unit where it's all in one place and you can see it all interacting with each other. So like my vision board that kind of looks at deceptively simple things is looking at dreams. It does use Amanda's as the American dream more likely to inspire or destroy. I've used, did I say, I'm scanning back up in my unit slides. Yes, I did say the American dream because this is an American lit, but maybe just our dreams more likely to inspire or destroy, right? It just depends on where you are and what your students need. There's so much flexibility here and all the parts of unit makeover can get dumped onto the vision board, but the vision board is the place to start. And then you move into your essential question. We've talked a lot about essential questions. We've done essential question workshops. Um, So that's not necessarily what we're going to do here today. I found the way that I worded that one that I botched a couple minutes ago. Good. Um, Well, and we can kind of talk about how that moves us toward the assessment too, because this, you know, we're talking about these in steps, but as, as I think a lot of, you know, they're not linear steps. Like all of this is very like, backwards cyclical it's it's all over the place we're just trying to you know have a somewhat linear conversation with you all who are listening the way that we worded the question was is wealth more likely to create good or evil in the world and the first thing that had came up again if you're listening in real time uh one of the most recent developments in the later parts of 2022 was elon musk's acquisition of twitter Uh uh-huh which who knows <laughs> in the future when we listen back to this episode, what that's all going to look like. But um, again, like, right, what has wealth done in the acquisition of, you know, intellectual or semi-intellectual freedom of speech, right? Conversation, social media, what what's going on there with even the Zuckerbergs of the world, you know, what is, and all of a sudden, like Marie and I started this episode, we have very seriously departed the 1920s. We have very seriously departed Jay Gatsby, but the conversation about wealth, good and evil is enduring. I mean, we could have a Shakespeare play in here. (laughs) I mean, um, you know, we, we, it opens up the window of the unit to multiple points of access for students. So is the American dream more likely to inspire or destroy? And then is wealth more likely to create good or evil in the world are two pretty staple examples of EQs that would work brilliantly for this type of a unit. Yeah. Well, and it just depends on what you want to look at, right? Like mine does focus on specifically the American dream, which is about wealth and prosperity and quote unquote freedom provided by that. Um, And so just being able to dive into all of those things through an American lens is what my course needed. Therefore, that's where we're using Gatsby as that vehicle for like, that's the angle that or the lens that we're looking at it with. Yeah, you could do so much wealth, power. Yes. So who you know, right? Like relationships, all of those things. And we like to give more examples because sometimes the American dream, like that term is like a cue for burnout. Kids sometimes have heard it so much. Depending on your course, they might be like, are you serious? We're doing this again. (laughs) 
Yeah. Lola, I just found out. I remember a girl, a student told me last year, like, seriously, are we really talking about nature versus nurture again? Like, I mean, it wasn't this specifically, <laughs> but like senior looked at me and she was like, we've done this every year. And I was like, oh, uh, well, oh, yeah. And I, had to change gears I was like, I was like, oh, you're actually like totally right. I didn't think about that. You're going to have a lot to say. So yeah, that was kind of my thing too. I was like, well, then let's look deeper into it. And I was like, well, actually, you know, maybe, or maybe just do something new. So let's start looking at where this all goes to assessments, because in any sound curriculum, you have done backwards planning, right? We, I, the teacher, in my best units and my best curricular plans, I have started at the end. So that's where that vision board also takes you to like, what is the end all be all that I want it to be? Let me put it into vision, into words, into actual something I can see, and then get to how am I going to get there with the sorts of questions. And now what's the there? What's the end? What are students going to be able to do? What are they going to know? What are some assessments that we can use that specifically use the great Gatsby to show knowledge and show learning? So when I get to assessment things with Gatsby, again, there are a lot of threads that you can pull. And knowing your assessment at the same time that you're deciding on your essential question is key. So let's take an example, right? A lot of us use the Great Gatsby for practicing the skills of literary analysis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Emphasis on practicing the skills. A unit's job is to practice skills. It's not to force down the throats of children a story. It is to practice skills. So when we're looking at Gatsby as a vehicle, it's a vehicle that carries literary analysis and the opportunities for that in a multitude of very rich and powerful ways. It's a wonderful, well-balanced type of expectation that students are going to practice that skill throughout the novel unit and be able to do some of that at the end. I've also seen a lot of wonderful assessments that are simply argumentative in nature. They are aimed at kind of more big picture things that are related to the essential questions. So whether that's the American dream, whether that's commentary on wealth and greed and good and evil, that's another way that we could approach the summative. This decision matters though. This decision is going to be what helps us backwards plan the close readings that we select, the pacing of the unit, the amount of time we spend on Gatsby versus the amount of time we spend on supplements. So if this is a literary analysis type summative, I'm going to spend more time in Gatsby. This unit will be more heavily focused on the core text, whereas an argumentative unit that's going to ask students to synthesize what they've read in their supplements and in Gatsby and in, and in, and in, and in, I might have my weeks organized a little bit differently and I might be giving a little bit more stage time to some TED Talks, some other exploratory types of supplements, which we'll go over in the bonus episode. But this decision is so important for you to not be kind of going through the unit step by step, day by day, wondering what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And kind of getting you to a point where you're like, wait a second, where are we? So that's the decision that I would encourage you to make first, because you also then are going to need to tweak your essential question a little bit to fit that assessment. 
Yes. Well, and the assessment has so many other things. And this is something we talk about in great detail in curriculum rehab, designing assessments to fit the needs, the skill needs, what standards you need, you need to be addressing content, like all of the things, the layers that we have on top of us that we have to address that the assessment has to fit. And then that's where, that's why you backwards plan. That's why you go to the assessment and then move back to say, wait, uh, is everything I'm doing preparing them for this moment? So like, for instance, let's give an actual concrete example, right? I love to do a nice one pager summative at the end that's got like decent chunks of writing. And the entire prompt is the essential question. Is the American dream more likely to inspire or destroy us? And then stipulated within my prompt, it's normally cite evidence from our supplementals that we've looked at, and I'll list them out for them, and the great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald to substantiate your claims. And like, you know, and they they do a whole like menu choice of what's going to go on their one pager. Another thing that I have done, which is much more involved, it's gotten a little bit dicey in the world where students are absent a whole lot more than they used to be. Like pre-COVID, it was easier to do group presentation things and to plan for them. I haven't quite figured out the best way to do this yet, but this project asks students to work in a group and it's called Dream Party Planners. And it's <laughs> it's to it's to design their own, like they take a theme or a symbol that we talked about. This one's like Amanda was saying, it's, it's going to be a novel specific assessment and they design an entire party because like we've been talking about parties showing wealth and like the dream coming alive in a big Gatsby party, right? So they're going to look at wealth or the green light or the Gatsby shirts that he goes throwing around. Like that is a symbol that a, that a student group used and they designed an entire party around that symbol. And, and they had to like write a whole rationale explaining the choices that they made. They had to create a tablescape. Like it was this whole definitely like multimedia project that used the skills of analysis and critical thinking that we've been working on. That one's more tech specific versus the one pager that I've done, which is much broader and uses everything. And if you're looking for something more traditional, as we've talked about before in the podcast, I've almost always walked myself into a situation where I'm being told what to teach and what type of assessment to have mm-hmm. and not really had a lot of that freedom of choice. Um, so when I've taught Gatsby, it's almost exclusively been to write a literary analysis essay at the end. And so to make that experience more equitable and reflective of the unit, I've taken that essential question and said, is the American dream more likely to inspire and destroy? And how does Fitzgerald showcase that in his figurative language or, mm-hmm. or kind of a reverse, like how does Fitzgerald use figurative language to depict the American dream? And is it more likely to inspire and destroy us? So then what we've had, and I'm talking about, I've really only taught this formally with gen ed kids. And so the key here is knowing that, and then using that question to build your evidence tracker. Mm-hmm. And so my evidence tracker is essential the essential questions at the top. And then the way that they track is preparing them for the essay. So in the way that I scaffolded it, the body paragraphs were essentially looking at different cornerstone figurative language techniques. So talk about the American dream as inspirational or destructive. Well, it's through the use of symbolism. And so there's a body paragraph on the green light. Is the green light as a symbol 
something about inspiring us or destroying us. Uh-huh. I, and it's a, it's a great first body paragraph because the kids can talk about either one. So I put the green light is on their evidence tracker. I put that on their radar intentionally as a scaffold, because I know that will make a great body paragraph. And that is backwards planning. That is backwards planning. Like if you were to take backwards planning and reduce it down, like boil it down, that's what it is. Yes. Yes. The use of color imagery. It's another like offshoot of symbolism. So I don't use symbolism. I pull the symbols that they're going to talk about, right? So I put color imagery on there. Characterization and character development, right? Like looking at the character of Gatsby as a commentary on inspiration or destruction. They could have a whole body paragraph on just Gatsby. I mean, when I collected these essays, I remember being so excited because the kids really didn't walk into it feeling scared to do literary analysis. They felt empowered. Your backwards planning had created a space where they already did the hard work and now they just had to put it all together. And that is one of the things I'm most excited about with our happy hour in January. So every month we are going to be featuring a free resource that we're going to talk through and share with you and uh, really kind of workshop best ways to use it. In January, that resource is going to be some evidence trackers. And I will have my Gatsby one in there as that free resource. And I hope that you guys will be with us because I think that the evidence tracker is a little dirty secret that we don't talk about often enough that completely bridges the gap for kids that struggle because it does a lot of that organization work for them so that they can focus on the harder things, the analysis, the so what, which is always where kids really struggle. Yeah, it's the ultimate scaffold in that way. Well, and then the last thing I want to say about assessments here is I'm a big fan of a synthesis paper. So like take everything Amanda just said, marry it to the one pager idea I was talking about, and then you've got a synthesis essay where either students are writing one big piece where they have to choose a certain number of the supplemental texts that you presented, which we're going to get to in our little bonus episode, and the novel, right, to address the essential question, or you take each of those individual supplemental texts and you make them into smaller pieces that they're writing on. So let me explain what I'm talking about here. Let's say you've got Two articles and a TED Talk and another video that you showed as supplementals throughout a unit. And the main text was The Great Gatsby. You're going to take your essential question and maybe you've got sub-questions there. Each of those sub-questions that can attach themselves to one of your supplemental texts then becomes a smaller writing prompt. And you have them do like an FRQ that addresses like a very short form, 200 to 250 words address this question using evidence from the core novel, The Great Gatsby, and this supplemental text. And you've got like three or four different prompts and the kids have to choose two. And that's an amazing summative assessment at the end because they're going to choose what they're strongest at. You're going to get all of the data you need to know about what they've learned and what they can do. Yes. So like all the things we're talking about are just different ways to end it up so that you can go backwards and plan from there. If you're feeling disappointed (laughs) that this episode wasn't a step-by-step, here are all the lessons, here are all the chapters, here are... You need to keep listening to this podcast more often because you were never going to get that. Because what we've just done for you is a very important reminder. This is the reminder. This is the tough thing that I think is hard to talk about. If we haven't done this work, the work that Marie and I just did and, and demonstrated for you, the deep knowledge and understanding of the big picture of the unit, 
then it's not going to matter what you choose if it's going to be random, right? Like I know that if I'm doing literary analysis, I'm going to focus on symbols and character and I'm looking at the American dream. I can now decide which scene am I going to focus on Myrtle's death or Tom and Daisy talking about fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Where, which of the scenes of all the whole book is so beautiful, or maybe you hate it. I don't know. Even if you hate it, this is still going to help you. There's stuff because- you can find. There's still stuff there and getting yourself to the point where you have a, a really good, like Amanda saying a broad picture, deep understanding of where you want students to go helps focus your work as the educator, as the instructor. Confident, confident selection yes. of your lessons. Because we have, if you Google lessons for the great Gatsby, Ooh. have mercy. There Buckle are, up. you got a lot. Yeah. Thousands, <laughs> thousands. I have a unit. Everyone's got stuff yeah. I, I, and everyone has things. And the problem with all of the things and all of the stuff is if it's not stacked purposefully and meaningfully and heading in a direction that matters to your skills and your summative, it's going to feel chaotic for you. Does that mean you can't like take a break and do something kind of random and silly? Yeah. Um, hello. My favorite lesson in Gatsby is when we take a little side dive and we watch The Greatest Showman and we do a compare contrast between Hugh, Hugh Jackman, between P.T. Barnum and <laughs> Jay Gatsby. And I mean, it, it kind of falls under like the characterization umbrella a little bit, but also like I love The Greatest Showman. So we are all full permission to just have some fun and do some random things. But if you're forwards planning and going day by day, just grabbing lessons as you go after a while, it's going to catch up to you. The kids aren't going to, they're going to feel it too. Well, and we say this from absolute and utter experience. Like we've done the burnout multiple times to be able to. Yeah. Um, And Amanda talking about the greatest showman made me realize that we need to get ready to bring them some supplements. Friends, we are going to have a bonus episode this week that is like a little preview, like I said earlier in the podcast, of our new Happy Hour episodes that are going to be just for members of Happy Hour starting in 2023, but we wanted to bring you a little sneak peek. So we're going to extend this episode beyond the normal length because like I uh, predicted, we've gone long because we like to talk about stuff. And coming out very, very shortly, you're going to have a bonus episode where we continue this unit makeover into the fourth part of that whole process, which is looking at the supplemental texts and all that that entails and how they fit and where to find them and what we like to use specifically with a unit that uses the Great Gatsby thematically and topically and all of that. So stay tuned for that bonus episode coming very, very soon. And thank you for listening. We hope you get as jazzed about this stuff as we do. We get very excited to talk about curriculum, talk about theory, talk about practice and all of it. And don't forget to check the show notes for all the things we talked about today. Our vision boards are there. I have a blog post that walks you through that literary analysis essay. So there's all kinds of things that will be in the show notes for you. So make sure you head there, send this episode to another Gatsby teacher that would love a little refresh. And we will... We'll see you in the first little happy hour. Yeah, we'll see you in the bonus. Thank you so much for stopping by and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 